Welcome back to Church Unscripted, a ministry of Brookside Church, where we intend to go deeper into the conversations that we have here on Sunday morning. And so thanks for joining us. We hope that this is valuable to you. And if it is, would you mind subscribing to this channel? And while you're doing that, go ahead and hit the like bell as well as the notification bell so that you can be notified of any new content that we put uh, up every single week. And so again, welcome to Church Unscripted. I'm with John as always, but we have our special guest with us, uh, Tom Bernardo, who is from uh, sunny California. He's a friend and a mentor, and he works with our network of churches. And so, Tom, thanks for being with us today. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. And uh, tell us a little bit about your family and where you're from. Yeah, well, I'm originally from the East Coast, New York City, uh, moved to the Midwest, met Christ in the Midwest, met my wife in the Midwest. So that was a good experience and spent a lot of time pastoring in, in uh, central Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, but live on the West Coast now for the last seven years. And uh, Marcia is my wife. We've been married 38 years, and we have two grown daughters. Lauren is our oldest. She's married, and uh, our youngest, Lindsay, is single. And but all of them, they are living on the West Coast now, which is kind of nice. Got the whole yeah. family together. Yeah. and Yeah. Yeah. So so we here in Indiana and in, in Ohio, where, where you were pastoring, don't, I think, appreciate the value of an ocean a few minutes away from your house. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I'll tell you, it's a gift. And it's especially a gift for my wife because I, I didn't even know the full extent of this when we moved but you know how some people, they just have a place where they connect with God. They kind of yeah. just fills their tent mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. That has been true for Marcia when it comes to just being, she doesn't even have to get in the water. She, you know, she will just spend, she'll, she'll go and walk by it. She'll do quiet times by it. She'll just, she'll call me and say, yeah, I'm at the office for a few hours. And she said, that's her office. And, and it is, yeah. it is, it is an absolute gift for her, especially. Yeah. I love it, but yeah. she is just comes alive there. It's fantastic. The, there's nothing like experiencing the breeze from the salt water yeah. coming off the ocean. And uh, man, it's extremely relaxing. Yeah. So I'm glad you get to experience that. I do have something for you. you uh, it's just a way of saying thank you for being with us. Today. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So the first thing is have, just have a Brookside shirt. Oh, it just has Fort Wayne and, uh, and um, I don't know if it's the right size, but Very I just wanted to nice. give it to you. So there's one no, thing. Thank you. And oh, then, you got more than one. Well, I got another thing. This is just the Brookside sweatshirt. Oh just my to, goodness. Just to say thank you. So on the chilly nights in California. We have them. And you have them. Yes. You can put this on and hey, rep I Brookside across the country. I will proudly represent Brookside. Yeah. <laughs> on the West Coast. On the West Coast. I hope People you will. will ask and I will tell so, them. So if a Brooksider sees someone on the beach with a Brookside sweatshirt, it's probably you. I will right? I will <laughs> tell them that you've got to go to this trip. Before. It's got to be on your bucket list. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's a good no, Israel trip, bucket list. No, See? Europe trip, and then Brookside. There you go. Same bucket list. Yeah, and New York pizza. Okay. <laughs> New York pizza. Yeah. Got to put that on your bucket. John and Bleakers, is that? <laughs> no, those huge slices. I know what you're talking That's about. That's it, man. Very good. Nothing very like good. having the grease dripping down your... Mm, sounds like a heart you. attack. You have how not, did this... Yeah. How did have we get to lived. grease dripping down our arm? <laughs> this has never happened on Church Unscripted. No, no, this is really important to talk you about. take the boy out of the city, but you can't take the city out of the boy. Man, so you brought some of New York and Ohio no. and Michigan all the way to California like to with represent. you. See, there you go. Eclectic. Man of many states. So you you probably haven't had good pizza in California because oh, no, I used to does, live there. It does not, not exist. What? Yeah. It does not exist. Why are you still no. in California? <laughs> well, you know, I have to go back home okay. and visit just to get a fix now and then. So my wife's got the ocean. <laughs> I've got the pizzerias in, okay. in Brooklyn. Okay. That's how it works. Mm, sorry to hear that. Yeah. I, I guess our Papa John's <laughs> just know. doesn't cut it for you. Quite as spiritual as everybody mm, else. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But uh, Well, hey, let's dive into the message. So um, take a couple of minutes or however long you want to for anybody who's watching this that didn't get a chance to actually be 
be here or listen to it online. Yeah. Give a give a brief summary of what you talked about this weekend. Yeah, well, you know, you guys have been in this series, and I, I was honored to be asked to be mm-hmm. part of it, yeah. about the table and what it represents and how we need to consider our table and invite people to the table, um, which which speaks to a relationship and an, an invitation and acceptance and building that kind of component into our lives. And when you look at the encounters of Jesus at the table, um, there are a number of places it's always has been hugely significant. And you guys have talked about that, that, that inviting somebody to the table made a statement and an invitation. It was mm-hmm. a statement about the value of that person. It said to them, you are important to me. And, you are, and then there's an invitation to relationship to say, I want you to be part of my world. I want you to see how we function. And it's it's symbolized by what happens around the table. So we looked in Luke chapter nine, even though there's not a physical table there at the feeding of the 5,000 and the significance of Jesus telling his disciples when the crowd, they want to send the crowd home. He says, no, no, you give them an invitation to the table. You give them something to eat. And so, so looking at, so the whole principle of hospitality, which we have ideas of what that means in our culture but, but the word that gets used in the New Testament and the principle from the Old Testament law is to have a, a mindset and a value in your life that says you reflect the character of God in this way. That you say, I'm going to be, I'm going to treat it strangers in such a way that I'm going to regularly make it part of the fabric of my life. Yeah. That I invite people, not just to a meal, but to an invitation into a relationship with me. And you're, you're, they're going to get to see the authentic person. So we looked at what uh, some principles we could draw from what Jesus did in that encounter. And, and we just, I just kind of drew four things that you could say, don't wait to make this happen in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. And the first one is don't wait until you're asked because they, they weren't asking. And Jesus said, no, I'm looking for opportunities to do that. So don't wait until you're asked. Don't wait until it's comfortable. It wasn't a comfortable setting. They didn't have everything lined up. Yep. There were 5,000 people there. It was not comfortable Plus at all. women and children. It's, yeah, yeah, it was crowd. I, I mean, yeah. so, so when we consider, well, you know, I'll, I'll get to that as soon as I've got things in order. Right. That'll never happen. So we have to think about when is it? How do we live out some value that we don't wait till we're comfortable? Third one is that uh, don't wait until there's a payoff. There was no payoff for Jesus and his disciples. He was trying to keep his ministry quiet. He didn't need notoriety. He didn't need to make headlines. There was no payoff. All that happened there was those people were filled to satisfaction. Yeah. You know? It doesn't even say that they got more credibility with those people for Mm -hmm. it. It just, they just did. And the last one, you know, was don't wait until until God has kind of completed his work around your table or in yeah. your life because when Jesus invoked God's presence and involvement mm-hmm. in that setting, he still hadn't done the miracle yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have enough to do it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and the principle we can take there is, you know, we tend to think I got to have everything in order or I don't want people to see what happens behind closed doors. And the whole point is, mm-hmm. no, that's part of what the grace of God does yeah. is, yeah. is he, you, sh- you invite people to see kind of like, this is incomplete. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, you're inviting to say, see, yeah, but we've invited God into this space and we just want you to see how he's doing that where we live. So that, mm-hmm. so that when we put those things into practice, it doesn't just feed people externally. It gives an invitation for people to see the character, our character, our, what, what God is doing in our lives, and then to see the character of Jesus himself who 
has exa done exactly that with us. You mm -hmm. know, he has invited us to his table when we have no business being there, right. when we aren't asking, when we're going our own way. So we can mirror that. And if we want to live like Jesus lived, which is, you know, I think your, your, your whole theme around here, I love it, is Jesus-centered everything. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what it means to have a Jesus-centered household and a Jesus-centered yeah. lifestyle is, to, is that you build this in mm -hmm. and you make that a part of your, your, the rhythm of your life. That's the invitation and the call, really, of Jesus to have a Jesus type of hospitality. That's beautiful. What, what I think you, he had to give us a lot of challenges this weekend, and I think they were all good. Although you didn't make it um, overly burdensome that people were like, man, I just, that's too much. So I appreciated that. One of your first challenges was actually in the definition that you gave as you parsed out the Greek word for hospitality. What's the word? Right. Philoxenia. Philoxenia, right. which translates Philos, as yep. xenos. Yeah. Philos is the Greek word for affectionate friend, brotherly kind of friend, somebody who's a family member, that, but somebody who's your, a deep friendship. Mm -hmm. And then xenos is the word for stranger. And it means to take a stranger and to invite them to a position where you're treating them like they're not just a guest, but they are actually like a family member or a friend or a close relationship with you. Yeah. And I think the challenge in that um, was that most of us, myself included, often sees hospitality as what we're doing for the people that we love the most. Right. Um, and so the whole jump to the stranger part of it was not just a, a revelation for some of us, but it's like, I don't know if I'm willing to go there. Yeah. Because yeah. I only have so much time, and if I'm gonna have my time with other people, it's gonna be with the people I love and family and such. So so why would I do this? And, and, yeah, that's right. and I'm kind of curious, I mean, I mean, do either of you know people who are doing the stranger hospitality really, really well? Mm. I'll let you like answer. individuals? I mean, it could or, be, or, yeah. You know, I, I think of times where... Um, I, I go back to my childhood. I've shared that a little bit on here um, on Church Unscripted is my parents would invite people over and we wouldn't have enough food because they'd already be cooking a meal. And we're like, wait, someone's coming over. And as a kid, it was like kind of like uh, earth shattering. It was like an earthquake happening. It was just like, uh, okay. Um, and I think, I think in some ways it's harder to upset the fruit basket, you might say with that. I think that was the challenge of hospitality and the difference between Christian hospitality and what is considered hospitality. Um, because when I look at the term hospitality or the hospitality industry or any other way it's used, you're doing it with all the things that you described in the sermon that you're not, you're doing it because it's going to have a payout. Right. It's going to have, it's going to be comfortable. It's going to be this. And I think at least what I, the general theme and challenge is when you have those opportunities, you need to invite people in. The challenge at the end of the sermon, I think was the only way to apply it. So people doing that consistently, I mean, I don't know many people that are like, hey, I'm gonna invite someone over that I've never met before. I mean, as a pastor, I do it frequently because there's people I've never met before. I mean, Eric, I'm sure you do as well. It's just something that we do. But if that model was applied to the whole church, um, I think it would be revolutionary. I think we would see more people getting saved. I think we would see opportunities to share a faith that we may never have in, in any other context because people are like, why are you treating me so good? Right. right. You know, Eric, Eric and I were just at something and we, the person described friendships like this or, you know, connections as fridge friends. Right. 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 And you were open, there too, they can, Tom. They can yeah. open the door of your fridge without asking and check. And, and I feel like fridge friends is a good example of if a stranger comes in your home and they open your fridge, 
Are you freaking out or are you just inviting them in even more? Right. Um, I, you know, I, this is going to make me sound really old, but I always think of Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver, okay? So some of you watching may know that reference. It does make you feel he, old. He basically would <laughs> always... He the youngest of all three of us here? He, you, is I'm he sure even he, allowed sure to say that? I am the youngest. Yeah. I watched old TV shows <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid. So, so he would always come in the kitchen door. The kitchen door right. was unlocked. He would come in the kitchen door, come in the kitchen, and he was super annoying, right? That's what that's the, what the kind of the point was of his character. And I always realized the tension of him being annoying and then the Christian act of him just being invited into their home whenever he felt like it. The, another generation saw Kramer do the oh, same thing. Oh, from Seinfeld. Yeah. Seinfeld. Amazing. Just, he just opened yeah. the door. You know, yeah. yeah, and and you know, most of us would look at it and go, I can't believe you. Jerry just lets him open the door. Like right that. now, now here, here, I'm going to say something counter, counterintuitive about Please. this. It's a really good point about the whole thing about um, you know actually finding somebody who does this. I when when we de- redefine that kind of hospitality, which says that I'm going to look at a stranger and I'm going to treat them like I'm going to give them a value without any expectation. I actually think introverts are better at it than extroverts. That is that is fascinating. You got to talk more about okay, that. Okay, because because extroverts are the people we hire yeah. to stand at Costco. Right. All right. And and so you know if you're at Costco and you walk by that thing where they've got the display, uh-huh. you know everything in me is going avoid eye contact, yeah. avoid because I know you don't want to be sold. They're going to be friendly, right. but they hire the people who are the naturally friendly people, the people who are going to because naturally friendly people are the ones who are most apt to be able to maneuver those that relationship toward another end that they want to do. Introverted people don't want to do, they have no part. They don't want to do any, in fact, mm-hmm. introverts probably don't like the series very much, right? <laughs> yeah, but here's nervous. what I've seen. And when I, when I think of the people I know who are best at doing this, mm-hmm. it is, it, 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 you watch an introvert who might be in a setting and you never even notice, but the next thing you know, they're just, they happen to just have a casual conversation with the person. It's a one on, it's usually one on one. It's not with a group. It's usually not walking up and sticking their hand and introducing themselves. Mm-hmm. But introverted does not mean uncaring and it doesn't mean impersonal. It just means you're not, you're not wired to go out and be aggressive that way. But when an introvert has that conversation, and so I'm, so I'm thinking about so, several introverts that I know, and they're the ones who are like, it's almost like covert operations. And they don't even know, they, they don't, the thing is, they don't have an agenda doing it. All they're doing is saying, well, I was just sitting next to this guy and right. they made a comment and I made a comment. And, and, the, and it's disarming for the person they're talking to because they don't sense, like I do when I'm at Costco, oh, you're just trying to sell me something. Anytime somebody walks up yeah. to me and they're overly friendly, I go, ah, you're up to something. That's right. But, it, but those folks are just very much more sincere and interested. They ask questions. And, and I have seen those relationships be the ones where, I, I used an illustra- illustration yesterday of Jeff and Martha who visited our church and somebody who went out the door after them. That was an introvert that did that. It was not somebody who, who actually, you would say, oh, they're on our team. Mm-hmm. It was just, but it was somebody who saw them and recognized somebody who was quiet themselves, didn't have, they were a stranger and, and probably felt something toward them and just walked out and said, can I talk? Hey, I just want well, to say hello. And, and some of that may be that how introverts value friendship in a different way. Right. And the reality of an introvert's not going to talk to 10 people, so they're going to be more intentional about the relationships that they're drawing in. And they're probably going to be more observant of others because of that. Because they won't want to, you know, speak and open up a conversation like, oh no, I'm here for 30 minutes. I'm exhausted already. Yeah. They'll, they'll be very strategic in how they say things. Yeah. And I've seen 
very much the same way you're describing it. If you were to look at me and my wife, I'm the extrovert. Yep. And I go and I talk to people. Mm-hmm. And the one person that she draws into our home, she's like laying out the red carpet basically for it. And I'm like, wait, we don't even know these people yet. And yet yeah. I, I, she models it for me it's to exactly see that. Exactly right. And, and so that's why we need to kind of reconfigure this thought that, because we're talking about a table and we tend to think, oh, well, you got to have a big meal and it's a big deal. And, you know, but the same thing happened when we were planting our church in Columbus, Ohio, I would be out busting the pavement trying to, re, you know, it, I mean, it just, it was miserable. It was hard work. It was, it was like, I'm trying to meet people. I'm trying to create relationships. And this happened on multiple occasions. I, I pull in the driveway of our house. I walk up and my wife is on the front in the, we had, a, you know, like a, a porch. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting there having lemonade with one of the neighbor ladies. And my wife, and it's the same thing. She's like, she doesn't, <laughs> want, she doesn't want to be in front. I'm like the outspoken nah, guy. Yeah. And 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 they're like and even even the point of like they're opening the Bible together and and I go how did you do that she goes well I was just in the yard and I saw the neighbor and <laughs> and and she was expressing hospitality like mm-hmm. she she was saying hey she got she had you know she got acquainted mm-hmm. or she would go out with our children when they were young and they would just be at the park yeah you know she wasn't making loud announcements or just immediately saying hey come to lunch come to lunch. But she was seeing a stranger and treating the stranger like they were a f- familial friendship person who they valued. And she's an and introvert. Nice, and she's an introvert. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that, that, an interesting point you bring up because I've heard somebody say as they've tried to um, evaluate Jesus' personality that he was perhaps more of an introvert right. than an extrovert. Right. And they, they cite different passages where Jesus would have to go away yeah. by himself several times, kind of get re-energized, refocused, refilled with God. And, and then he would go back to the crowds to do all the healings and the teaching and stuff. And I'm wondering, okay, if Jesus is the personification of what hospitality looks like, and he is perhaps an introvert that needed to get away way, then that's an encouragement to all of us who are introverted that's as well. That's exactly right. And here, here, notice there's something I didn't really unpack at all yesterday, but the setting for this whole thing that happens in Luke 9, if you look at the parallel passage in Matthew 13, what has just happened there is Jesus just got word that his cousin was murdered. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist has been beheaded. Yeah. That is and and he is not he's also the Elijah of the Old Testament. I mean this is a major figure and he's also his his family. And it says in, in Matthew 13, it doesn't go into a lot of detail, but it says Jesus got that news and he withdrew. Okay. So if he's an introvert or at least to try to grieve yeah. and what he does is he takes his guys with him and they go to this a little bit more remote area of outside Bethsaida. Mm-hmm. So he's going there for the purpose of kind of like, I need my I downtime. I need mm-hmm. private time. And then it says that the crowds hear about it and they come. And that's why it's so significant that when he sees a crowd, he recognizes that there's need there. And it says, and he welcomes them. And then, so he interrupts. Now, we all have to guard some of that time mm-hmm. to be quiet and be away and get our souls refilled. But Jesus recognizes the opportunity. So even as an introvert, if he is at that moment, he is, he is saying, okay, but the, here are some strangers and I'm going to treat them mm-hmm. like, like, they are, like they belong and they're valued right mm-hmm. there. So not, not to pivot this too much, but I'm hearing Jesus had a slow pace to his life. And something that I find is one of the larger barriers to doing the things that you described on Sunday, you know, uh, don't wait till you're asked, you know, don't wait till it's comfortable. I think 
busyness might get in the way of that and the speed and the pace of our life. So yeah, how, we're going to talk about this Sunday when we talk about Mary and Martha. Yes, and that's yeah. exactly where my mind goes on it too. And, and, and so, and I don't want to cut you off. No, but, that's fine. But I think that what we tend to what we tend to do with this is we want to compartmentalize our hospitality and say, okay, I've got to add another box. I got all these boxes. And I'm always trying to like stack them and I'm always trying to, you know, make sure they're all filled. And now yeah. you're telling me I got to add another, another box. box. Yeah. Okay. That is not what biblical hospitality is right. because Jesus didn't create this event. He just <clears throat> welcomed people into the space he was already occupying. Mm -hmm. So treating somebody like a stranger doesn't mean, oh, now we're going to put on a show or we're going to put on this. I got to, I got to cook up my special mm -hmm. stuff. Sometimes it's like, no, you, you, you're just living your life. Mm -hmm. So you're not creating more space. You're just inviting some people to be around you when you do that. That may be a little more uncomfortable because you're not as familiar with them. It's a different kind of intentionality in the rhythms you already have. But you have an authenticity yeah. to yourself that says, I'm not going to act any right. different with you here. I'm not going to get my kids to behave differently. You're going to just see yeah. our life. Yeah. We were, we're going we're to eat anyway. Mm -hmm. You want to just hang out with us while we eat? You, right. you talked about, you know, your family didn't have extra stuff, right? right? Well, neither do these guys. God will provide, mm -hmm. provide right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you just say, well, just come on over and we'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, so you, we talked about Jesus' personality potentially being introverted versus extrovert, so forth. And I want to ask a question about the larger personality thing. So how does personality play into hospitality? The reason I ask is because some people, if, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, they might be in number seven, which yep. might be more extroverted perhaps, but they're like the partiers. So like bring everybody over all the time. I don't care. Let's blow our bank account. Let's buy all the pizza we can, right? So they love the party. Other people are like, man, just being with people for an hour or two drains the life out of me. So how does personality play into this call, perhaps even an expectation for the follower of Jesus to show hospitality? Yeah, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start at the end and then work back from that question because it's a good one. I think the end of it is that we should not judge other people's involvement in this based on what, what makes it look like we're being hospitable because of personality types. Because some people would say Levi or Matthew was probably a little more extroverted because he meets Jesus, he's called, and you know you may or may not like the way they depict the character on certain sure. you know, videos. Uh -huh. yeah. but, but in Matthew 9, the first thing he does is he throws a party. Mm -hmm. Like, he, like yeah. he's, he, he's like living out the hospitality by going, hey, everybody, come on over. Man, meet this guy. So perhaps he's a little bit more of the Enneagram 7. He's the kind of guy who says, oh, I've got the, you know, I, I come alive by doing this. There are people who absolutely love hosting people and stuff like that. Well, for them, go out and pull out the good china. Go, mm -hmm. go ahead and put up the balloons. Go ahead and, and make it a festive environment if you, if you like. But for others, it's just very much like you, you would say, well, are they hospitable? Well, I, I've never heard them call it a party. Mm -hmm. But they're just they're but they're still doing it because here here's the difference. There's a value in their heart toward the people they see. So the value is there and the and the value transcends personality. So I can be external or internal. I can I can have I can have I can be articulate or quiet. I can, you know, the, all kinds of things. But the if the value is there, it's going to bleed out in through the channel of my personality toward mm -hmm. the people I'm around. 
So, so in essence, there's no cookie cutter hospitality. We might have an Good external point. idea of, yeah. oh, we need to invite people over to our house immediately. And, and honestly, I, I know when I hear hospitality, I feel the pressure to do that right. a lot. But the reality is it's more inviting people into what's already going on. So that might be talking to someone at the grocery store. That might be seeing someone in need and actually not, uh, basically not saying, I'm not going to do anything about this or actually stopping on the side of the road or something like that. And we've talked about those things in the series before, but I think, I think what you're getting at is hospitality is not a one size fit all. This is what you have to do. Yes. I mean, and, and here's, and here's where we're talking about value. We're talking about an internal character thing. So that's, it comes from your heart. And so what, what it really even starts with is what is your perspective when you look at somebody and they're not like you and they're a stranger? Because mm-hmm. in our culture, we're trained stranger mm-hmm. danger mm-hmm. Yep. as children. Right. Well, that just intensifies as we get older and we don't admit it, but we don't trust. You know, I mean, I, I was, I, I, I walk, I, I speed walk, right? Just to try to get some exercise. And uh, I went on one of the uh, river walks here in Fort Wayne yeah, yeah. While, while I've been here beautiful little trails I got along the river and and as I'm walking and it was it was early in the morning and as I'm walking I start to see a figure coming toward me and I realize this is kind of a secluded area so my this is where I have to confess this my first thought is where's my escape routes Uh what do I do if I'm attacked like I've got this sense my first assumption is that's somebody I should be afraid of that's somebody I should I, I I'm not giving value to as opposed to that's that that's a that's a an image bearer of the most high god in front of me. That's right. So so is so, hospitality so. about dignity of human absolutely other humans. Absolutely. So you're giving everyone dignity. Yes. Yeah. So maybe so, hospitality starts with the perspective. It does. You you have to sh- you have to conscious and this is where we need to be honest with ourselves and confess it and mm-hmm. say okay God I I I I, no one wants to be called a racist. No one wants yeah. to be called a bigot. No one wants to be called you know but come on let's be honest. We carry mindsets when we see strangers especially if they don't look like us or they're not from the same backgrounds or we've heard mm-hmm. the stories in the news mm-hmm. and to and to make that shift and invite God to do that in my soul to say would you do something in me so that when I'm walking through, along the grocery store or I'm or I'm driving and my and my I have this default adversarial mindset because I have we're all angry at each other when we do that. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, you are, a, you are not a good person. I've just mm-hmm. already, God, would you do something in me so that when I look at these people, C.S. Lewis, you know, said, you have never met a mere mortal, right? right? You're, you've met a person who is a carrier of the image of, the, of God. Mm-hmm. And that person, he, he, God is just, he is absolutely headed over heels in love with that person. Mm-hmm. Do do I really think that when I look at them? And 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 is there, and is there some way I can look at them and say, God has a plan and a desire for that person. Now this doesn't mean everybody I walk by I have to go up and go, oh, you're, yeah. I'm, you're so special. Oh, I want to, right. you know. But do you do it with anybody? Right. You know, just start with somebody. Yeah. And and but it starts with that that internal value of that person and the quality of, sure. of the dignity sure. of life. Like so so uh, a few years ago, um, me and my wife had a Friendsgiving that we thought was going to be 20 people and ended up being 60 people at our house the week before Thanksgiving. <laughs> my wife's watching this. She'll remember quite distinctly. And so you we, said your wife's an introvert. Yeah, she's an introvert. <laughs> and we started passing out like who was going to bring what. It wasn't just us right. doing all the food. And she forgot to have anyone do gravy. 
And it was the funniest experience. We laugh about it now. It's like 60 people here. We got mashed potatoes and turkey and stuff and there's no gravy. And everyone's like, where's the gravy? Mm -hmm. And it's it, the moment where my wife as the introvert is like, oh, I can't believe I forgot gravy. She was like ready to go to the store. And I'm like, no, stay here. This is, we're doing this for a reason. And in that moment, part of what we decided to do was invite over all the single people that we possibly could, that we could think in our circle and people that maybe didn't, weren't able to go home for family, maybe college students and things like that. I think that some of the barriers we have is that was uncomfortable. Like I'm not single anymore. And I also know that some people are hurt by having conversations about couples and this and that and burdens from the past, or maybe they lost a child or whatever. There's all these minefields of conversation. And the reality I started to realize is that's what hospitality was. Most of those people I didn't know super well. They, you know, like they weren't like our best friends, but it was a great opportunity to see people just come together. And I was like looking around and it, there was one point where I was like, there was just such intense joy in my heart mm -hmm. because I was like, wow, look at all these different tables of people connecting. And we had part in this. We weren't, we didn't do this. This was God doing this, but it was like, we had a part in this. This is amazing. And, and I think that's what brought my wife from being, oh, this is exhausting mm. to, oh, this is exciting. Mm. When everyone left, we didn't even clean things up that night. We cleaned up in the morning. We're like, yeah. this is so crazy. But, but in that moment, it was like, man, that was awesome. Mm. Like we had so much fun, yeah. so exciting. You know, I've talked to her about a block party. She, she's the one who started a block party at her old house. Mm. She was like, hey, let's invite everyone over. And it was really chaotic. I think what you're <laughs> illustrating is that hospitality is not always easy. It's often expensive. It's exhausting. And it takes a ton of your time. And so uh, my wife and I have talked about that kind of feels like what it's like for our small group. So on Sunday nights, if it's up to us, we're like, we just want to veg out and just hang out, maybe get ready for the work week. But then we have small group. And it's difficult always getting to our small group. But when we get there, we're like, this has been really good. And we are so glad we came because the host always shows us hospitality and it's always relationally driven. But if we can get past the barriers of, of the, the expense, perhaps, uh, the time it takes to prepare and the exhaustion that will inevitably come, I think you can see the value of hospitality, regardless of whether it's with your close friends or with strangers. Um, and so I like how you're talking about taking the normal rhythms of your life and inviting people that are strangers into those things because you see them as image bearers of God. So if, 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 you're, if your rhythm is on Friday nights, we do board game night. Mm. Then instead of just inviting your friends or neighbors, invite somebody else into the game night that, that you don't know very well. And that's an act of hospitality. And if you love to cook, I mean, invite somebody from your work that you don't know very well and give them the best food that you can cook. And so I love this idea of, of figuring out your personality, your rhythms, and inviting people into those, into those rhythms. I got a question for you about your stage of life now. Yeah. Um, you said that you're an empty nester. Yes. What did hospitality look like when you had kids at home compared to what hospitality right. looks like right. as an empty nester? Well, yeah, you have to remember too, I, we've been a ministry family, uh -huh. right? So that, so the part about, you know, don't wait until it accomplishes purposes for you mm -hmm. has always been a challenge because hospitality for us was often when our kids were around in the context of ministry. So it, we always had to say, are we doing this because it's who we are or are we doing it because it's my job, you know? And so, so uh, we, we had to wrestle with that. And then we had to wrestle with the fact that our, our children 
you know, we, we were really committed to parenting our children in such a way that they saw authenticity in us and they saw the same person when we were around other people as, as, you know, as when we weren't. Um, so a lot of our hospitality wound up being around things that we would say, we're just doing this because our kids are involved. And we would invite, like you, you'd mentioned bringing, you know, inviting some single people over because they might not have any. Well, we had, we had a number of folks in our circle that um, didn't have children. And rather than say, well, we don't want, want them to feel bad, we would just, we would say, well, what are we doing with our kids? And let's just say, let's, hey, you want to come hang out at the soccer game with and I was I was coaching my kids soccer, which is just ridiculous because I have no idea how to play soccer. <laughs> I've done <laughs> but, that, but yeah. uh, but you know we would say, hey, you want to just come hang out with yeah. us? And so we would involve them in the things that our kids were doing. Now, hospitality for us on a personal level is actually a little easier when you don't have children on that in that regard. So it's a it's a trade off. But we found that a lot of times the 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 hospitality expressions we had were again part of the rhythms of our existing life. We would we would see people at the stuff. You know, you go to those as they get older. They've got choir concerts and they're playing yeah. instruments and they're horrible. <laughs> you know, like like you go and you're going to sit three hours yeah. at a concert at the middle school to hear terrible music so that your kid plays for thirty That's seconds. Right. You know, right. but we would meet families yeah. and we would say, "Do you want to go with us? You want to ride together? Do you want to sit together?" That was an expression of hospitality that you weave around your lifestyle with your kids. That. Thankfully, we don't have to subject anybody else to that anymore, but they were suffering along with us and we would laugh with them and it led to further conversation. Suffering along with us. Yeah, yeah. I get it. That's it. I, yeah. I, uh, Your kids aren't listening to this, right? So, I, 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 If you're listening, I'm sorry. I love you, but you were terrible. <laughs> there, there, there was recently, I, th I thought of something as you were saying that recently, we could invite someone into something. There was a couple at our house we were finished. We were meeting about something. We're like, hey, you want to come to their softball game? And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, do they really want to go to right. my nine-year-old daughter's softball game? And they showed up and like were there for two hours and it was great conversation afterwards. They got to meet some of the softball parents with us. And, and I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, wow, asking that, even for me as an extrovert, was awkward. I was like, right. do you really want to do this? I, you know, like, but the reality was there was some fragility to it. Like, are they going to say no? And are we... I mean, we don't, shouldn't be offended by that, sure. but... Sure. You know, and, and that brings up a, another point that, like, w there's... Uh, the narrative does not go into great detail about what happened, but, you know, there's no record there of, like, oh, did meaningful conversation happen? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People just ate. It says they ate and they were filled. That's it, you know? And I, and I think that we need to recognize that hospitality doesn't mean, okay, so now we're going to get this focused time where we're sitting and we have intense mm -hmm. conversation. Those could come, but you know what? Some of the best... One of the some of the best outlets for building the kinds of you're seeing your life in motion is when something else is going on and you're just experiencing it together. You know, when people sit around a fire, they open up sometimes because they're not looking at each other, they're looking at the fire, right? Well, well, that can happen too at the soccer game or at the concert yeah. where you, you know, you got this thing going on. You don't have to like be intensely looking at each other, but the next thing you know, something gets said about what's going on there in their life. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just thrown out there casually. And there's a connection point. You find yourself going, I've got, I've got that through that experience. And that builds a connection th through which, and, the, and again, what God wants to do with this, he, is he wants to show his grace 
in and through our lives. So that happens where we're just talking about life. And eventually you might get to the place where you share the gospel or you talk more intensely about stuff. But sometimes it's just, oh yeah, I've had that experience too. Yeah. Or, well, I was at the hospital this week for my mother. Oh, what's going on? And you're, and you're watching the game going on. And next thing you know, now you got another connection point to say, hey, we're, you're, mm-hmm. I'm going to be involved in your life. You're going to be involved in my life. Yeah. But, and it, but there's some intentionality, right? When you both agree to say you're inviting people in, like it takes a come to my kid's softball game or soccer game or whatever. And I think sometimes we miss that step, even though it's an easy step. Yeah. Like, and no pressure. Well, it like, seems like, no it, it doesn't seem like an easy step sometimes. It just seems like, right. oh boy, that's a big thing. You know, people, yeah. people have got their ideas about, well, we all, ha- we all know our circles. And if you ask me a personal question or invite me to a certain thing, you're ca- crossing a boundary, right? Mm-hmm. But that's where we have to say, you know, okay, yeah, you win the right to be heard a little bit. But at the same time, s- most people I've experienced, when they get invited genuinely mm-hmm. into relational connection that goes further, they, there's a longing for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an unquenched desire going on with them and they go, mm-hmm. I, mean, I told the story about this couple who invited us over and then they opened up the trifold thing, you know, to sell us stuff. But when they first invited us, we were like, oh my goodness, that feels so mm-hmm. good. Like right. somebody actually wants to hang. That, mm-hmm. And I think a, people, even in a very secluded, maybe even more so in a very secluded culture where everybody's behind their keyboards and screens and we, uh, we text rather than call and we don't have mm-hmm. personal connection, mm-hmm. there's, there's this deep desire we have for that kind of connection and people will respond. And I think that's, that's probably, I think, what separates Jesus-centered hospitality from the rest of the world, uh, hospitality. Because I think... What we're describing, the intentionality, the inviting them into our homes. There's a lot of people who do not love Jesus that do all of that stuff. And they do it for the purpose of, I want to help you, I want to encourage you and support you. But I think the difference is, what you're describing is, we're using our faith as a way to represent God's grace and personhood to the person. And so we might be doing the same things as the world does when they show hospitality, but the end goal is significantly different. And so that leads me to another question. Um, When... When we, what if we're in a scenario where, where we don't necessarily have a home to show hospitality in? We talked about inviting to a soccer game and so forth. What if there's a college student or even a high schooler right now who says, I want to learn hospitality, um, but I don't really have a home to utilize in this. How do we show hospitality outside the home? Because Jesus, I mean, I don't see anywhere in scripture where it says Jesus had a home. Right. Now you could understand, I guess, or that, that he invited Mary. anybody to his home. Absolutely. Right. But he did say, you know, foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay mm-hmm. his head. I don't yep. think that means he was homeless per se, but I do think he showed hospitality outside the context of a home and a physical table. And so what does it look like to just live hospitality um, when you don't really have a platform to do that. That's good. I think later on in the series, are yeah. you going to talk about Zacchaeus in this series? I believe so. Yeah. You. Okay. You know, does it strike you funny that they got the whole thing and he's sitting in the tree and, you know, and, and that, it, it has hit me a couple of times that Jesus goes, he's, he, he says kind of, he's rather presumptuous. Yeah. Hey, coming down here. I'm coming over. Yeah. Like you weren't invited, you know? Now, he's the son of God. Maybe he knows his heart, all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I think there's a part where Jesus, when Jesus does that, he's, he's not being selfish. He's being hospitable. And he's saying, I would like to invite you into a connection point with me. 
And then, so in that regard, it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what you have. It, it is, you're presenting yourself. There's a, you're, you're, pre, you're present. You're, you're going to be present with someone and you're saying to someone, I would like to just be present with you. So some, sometimes hospitality is actually saying, hey, I heard you're doing that thing. Want company? You know? And but but we don't people, do that. I mean, I, mean, I we, my wife's no, personality. I'm just I'll, I'll go back to her. She would be like, "You invited yourself yeah, over no, to someone's right. house," like she would have a panic attack thinking right. about it. You and know? There, and so there, so hospitality has risk. Sure, it does. We have to understand. There's it doesn't always work out. We could tell stories about rejection when with offers of hospitality. My uncle John in New York City, <laughs> he he used to do this all the time. Where he would he would say he he would say to our family or he'd say to other people he'd say. He goes, hey, and he would use that phrase. Hey, you want some company with that? People don't generally turn you down. <laughs> you know, like, no, I don't want your company. Right. I can't say you smell bad. I, you know, I, I, like, they're not going to. Yeah. But he was such a winsome personality that, and he was so sincere in it. Well, people like, they were honored, you know? Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and our, our culture needs more yeah. of that, but there is going to be risk at it because you've got conditioned folks now who say, mm-hmm. I, you, no, 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 only where you're invited. So right, you don't, so right. you want to force yourself on somebody. You don't want to like be pushy. And if your wife is concerned about that, it might be because she's going, you're just too aggressive on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> fine. But try it. Just, right. I, I would say try it. Like You've go, got to break your pride for that. Go, go, if yeah. a college student is watching this and they don't have a, they can't make lunch for somebody. Yeah. I would say, see, just, just, do an experiment. See what happens if there's a, somebody in one of your classes, you, they seem like they're alone or you don't know them. And if you're just, a, you know, walk up to another dude and say, hey, what's your name? Hey, you know, I, you, I, I, where are you headed after this? You want to go grab a Coke? You know, mm-hmm. just do something. And they might go, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Who are you? And then you go, ah, oh, that's well, I just saw you sitting there. I didn't know if, you know, I thought it'd be fun to get to know somebody. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's disarming. They go, well, okay. Because the first thing, they're probably thinking you're selling something, which is why you can't lead. I, this, this is what we call pre-evangelism, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't necessarily lead by saying, can I ask you a question? If you were to die right now, would you? you know, <laughs> that's that's like, not awkward at like all. That's, like there might be times where that's appropriate, right. but most times you need to build a bridge with someone like Jesus did, you know? And then Jesus says to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your right. house, right? right. Is he, does he recognize that Zacchaeus put his faith in him? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it the, the one who's embodying salvation has come to his house? But something significant happened. But his first thing was, hey, I'm coming over. I think, I think that's what impressed Jesus about the woman in Luke chapter five I preached about last week where, where the woman, the prostitute, walks into the home of the Pharisee and then she begins to cry and the tears fall on Jesus' feet and she wipes Jesus' feet. She showed him incredible, the way I used it, I called it was scandalous hospitality. Right. Uh, but she had to be willing to not even ask for permission, just walk in and get to Jesus. I, and, I heard that yeah. message and that was a great point to think. It wasn't just that she was overcome with emotion. She was making, taking a step mm-hmm. and, it, and she was exposing her true self and presuming to do that knowing that she could be rejected at it, yeah. Yeah, so showing hospitality often requires you've gotta be vulnerable and open with the people that you're with, even if it's a stranger. 
That leads to another question related to the video. I know you got some questions, so I'm going to throw this one and then let you kind of take some questions. But the video that you showed was, by the way, hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and so if somebody <laughs> didn't watch it or couldn't see it, uh, what do they Google on YouTube? Or not Google um, on YouTube. What yeah, do they yeah, type in? Yeah, if you type in on YouTube, Sebastian Maniscalco. Okay. okay. Can you no. spell that? Well, Google will figure it out. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's M-A-N-I. He's a, a fellow Italian. Yeah. Um, M-A-N-I-S-C-A-L. C-O, that looked really. painful. Yes, yeah. because it's tough, you know. And um, and and if you and if you type in Sebastian Company, okay, you'll get you'll it, get it. Okay. Yeah. Now disclaimer that what you what we did here was an yeah. edited version. There's some a little bit of language, not terrible, but a little bit of language in there that you you know you need to discern. Right. But the whole the whole clip of his thing is is about twice as long as what we showed here. Yeah. And it is so accurate. That's what makes it, it so yeah. so funny is it's right. so incredibly accurate in what our culture has happened in our culture. So the way the video goes, I don't want to ruin it for them, but he kind of describes the difference when somebody rings your doorbell 20 years ago yeah. compared to when they ring your doorbell now and we're significantly more you know, cautious. Right. Almost like, <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. Anyway, my, <laughs> my, my question for you is, what do you think have been some of the catalysts or the factors that have turned our culture yeah. from being open and invitational especially to strangers walking up to a door compared to keep the door shut, don't be seen, let them walk away. Um, right. That kind of well, well, and and we could go out, we could chase that around yeah. for a long time. Uh, but I do think that there's a, a number of things. The breakdown of the American family is a factor in that hmm. where there was, you have multiple generations, you have people who, who uh, you know, there's bonds that, that familial bonds that extend beyond the door, your own doors so that make it so that people can come by. You know, we used to, Drop by our fam our family extended family quite much more often than that happens. The the rise of individualism in our culture has been a huge thing in that where we do, we value the individual and then and we've gotten and we've gotten very polarized as as so that now I've I define myself by an echo chamber and there are people who I like and those and I've and I've got and, and social media has allowed us to find people who then we say okay this is my tribe this the is the algorithm yeah that just, that's exactly it feeds you back to the same and, and so so that is the, the the boundaries have grown stronger and yeah. then and then the rhetoric has gotten so pronounced where, where people are just say, if you are outside this, you are, there's something really wrong yeah, with you, right. you know? I mean, people have always argued about politics and religion and family members, you know, in their homes. That's fine. But, but there used to be at least a little bit more respect in how we did it. You could walk away as friends. And now we say, I don't even want to, I, I don't, those people aren't human to me. They, I, I'm not even going to treat them like they have any dignity whatsoever. Those things have gotten to the place. And then you've got the rise of crime mm -hmm. and, and the stories and, you know, there are cameras everywhere catching the crime that did exist, but we never saw. Yeah. And now we see it and it just feels like it's encroaching on us. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we say, I got to protect myself. I got to protect myself. Yeah. I think one of the factors, John, that, that, that you mentioned in your sermon, um, that I don't, you didn't mention it here, but I think it's a huge factor. And we were talking about what it actually means, but it's this concept you brought up of prostituted friendship. So, John, when you heard him talk about <laughs> prostituted friendship, uh, <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. It, it was, yeah. So I, what did that mean to you? I was, you were, you were talking about how you were invited into someone's home. You were excited. Then they open up this, you know, trifold and try to sell you on something. Um, that elicited a lot of pain from my mm. past and friendships that I know, even as a pastor. I think for like, a lot of people. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, you're selling me? I thought we were friends. Yeah. Like, 
Um, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that kind of sales, but like when you use a friendship first right. to do that, instead of the guy that is at, you know, Costco or Target or whatever selling you a cell phone, you know it's coming. Right. That's not a friendship. Right. He's trying to sell it's not me. manipulative. It's just- um, and I think, I, I think there's something deeper there um, because really what it was the antithesis of what you were trying to say. Don't wait until there's a payoff. And so the what I struggled with as a Christian is, am I selling Jesus? Right. Am I selling Jesus? So if I'm if I'm sitting across the table from someone and I want them to come to Jesus so bad, and I'm trying to be an evangelist and I have an opportunity, and I leave it there, is this going to end in one rejection of me because I'm selling them something rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into their life? Yeah. So that's where I took it. Like me personally, to apply it here. The other part of it was, what do we what do we say to people that have been burned by that, have lost friendships because they weren't ever really friendships? They didn't. Well, they, I think if if we're the one that's done that, we got to say sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think when you said you that, I realized it. that I have um, done my own version of prostituted friendships in the church, and I realized that there was a time where. I was building a reputation of if Eric asks you to go to lunch, be prepared for what he's going to ask you to do. Mm. And so I would take people to lunch and say, hey, we need we need a new small group leader. What do you think? Right. And I'm wondering now that you mentioned that, if they were hoping to come to lunch with me just because they were hoping I would want to become friends with them and vice versa. And now all of a sudden, it's a means to an end. I need you to be a warm body in a ministry setting and once you say yes, then I don't have a need to have lunch with you anymore. And, and how do we negate that though? Like, I mean, that's yeah. that's the culture of the American church. Well, what you don't do is you don't give up those meetings that you need to have to ask somebody to do something, Yeah, right? I mean, that's those, that can be very appropriate. You're a leader, you're gonna invite somebody to something. But I think it, this comes down to genuine authenticity and honesty. So if we've got an agenda, say you've got an agenda. Mm-hmm. Say it up front. The person, at least they know coming into it, okay, hey, there's something important I want to talk to you about, about a role in the church. Can we get together and talk about it? Great. But other, but, but ask, ask ourselves, how many times do I do that without, truly without agenda? How often do I get together with someone and I, and, and sometimes when, I don't know, this might be overstating it. There are times where, when I, I think people say, hey, let's get together, no agenda. And now I know you've got an agenda. When you say no agenda, that's right. like radar. Right. Like, right. Like, you're- <laughs> like it's like it's not about the money. As soon as somebody says it's not about the money, it's about, about the money. The money. Yeah. And if you say there's no agenda, why would you even say that? Why would it even cross your mind then? That's maybe a little bit too much of a broad brush to say it that way. But we, you get that that often happens. We're trying to convince ourselves. So when it comes to evangelism, I I passionately want the people, who, the lost people I know. To, to know and love Jesus. I think life is better. It's better for them, you know? So there's always going to be that desire, but the desire and the passion does not necessarily have to be agenda for this moment. And the test of that's going to be what happens when you build a friendship with someone and they don't respond? Does a friendship end? I think sometimes that's a, a way to maybe evaluate whether that's been happening. Hmm. We had a neighbor across the street from us who actually eventually came to Christ. But, you know, we got together and we talked football. He invited me over to watch football. Love football. You know, great guy. And in my mind, it was like, I'd love to be able to talk to him about faith things. Mm-hmm. Looking, for, looking for ways to raise the flag. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. always going on there. But after a while, he wasn't responding. And I, and I even invited him to church one time. And he said, he goes, you know what? I'm not into that. And he had all his reasons for it. 
And, and then I was, that, that's where the test came because I found myself, and if I'd have to admit it, it's like my motivation is gone. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. well that's, that's what I was getting at is like, what do you do when... And, and so my wife helped me with this. She said, you can get together and watch football. And I go, well, I, you know, she goes, why would you not do that? I'm like, uh, I had no answer. And so I said, no, you know what? I want to value him as a person. And, and it was a repentance thing for me. Mm-hmm. I had to say, I have been, I have been fooling myself, mm-hmm. not just trying to fool him. I've been fooling myself into thinking I really value him. And now I see that it's really more about this sincere thing. I want him to happen. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that's not there, I, I give up. And then I wound up getting together with him fairly regularly after that. And then, interestingly, he hit crisis in his life. And he reached out to us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he said, can I talk to you? And he came to Christ and I got the privilege of baptizing him. But then it wasn't because my strategy worked. Right. You know, I think it was because we watched football together. Mm-hmm. And he happened to know in the context of that, that my world was such that Jesus was a big part of my world and he saw how he affected it. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't really have a, so I, I think we have to wrestle with the fact that we do have a desire and a passion but that, but that's different than agenda in our hospitality, and the, and that's if we can differentiate those two, yeah. it'll help us recognize what so, why we're so, doing. So, but you you in that situation had to wrestle with: Do I value his dignity as a human being made in the image of God before yes. I value yeah. whether he's open to faith? That's mm-hmm. right. And then God provided that door eventually. Yeah. But I mean, those of us that maybe maybe all of our circle aren't believers or maybe all of our circle are, are believers, mm-hmm. what does it look like to value others at that level rather than mm-hmm. for what we, I guess, get the payout, you know, get the, right. the something out of it. I, I mean, Jesus is the perfect example of that, isn't he? I mean, if, if there's anyone he showed hospitality more to than anybody else, it's his disciples who for three years walked with him. But if, if Jesus was looking for the payoff, Shortly after he invited them to follow him, he probably would have said, you know what? You're not working out. You keep, you keep blowing it. You keep losing faith in me. You keep mm-hmm. going down the wrong roads. I mean, Peter's a perfect example of that. Even towards the very end when he d- betrayed Jesus, disowned him three times, Jesus could have said, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm going to go find somebody else to right. build the church. I got the fourth pick in the draft. Yeah, They're right. going to come in. They're going <laughs> to take right. your position. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, but Jesus continued to see their dignity uh, before they actually started to pay out uh, for the actual ministry. And you might even go so far as to say he did it without a certainty they ever would. Yeah. You know, you don't have to, it's not a guaranteed outcome. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a risky thing for Jesus to say, okay, guys, it's the ball's in your court. That's right. And it all rose and fell with what they did with that. Now the Holy Spirit had something to say about that, but, but that wasn't a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so your last application was God, don't wait till God has completed his work at your table. And immediately, because I love rap, I thought of like, Take Me As I Am by Lecrae, years old. You probably heard that I song. Heard, so you're smirking. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, what does it mean to invite God into those less desirable areas of your life? Yeah. Because I feel like that's kind of where that's going. There's some of us that are saying, man, I'm struggling with cursing. And the only time I turn off cursing is when I talk to my pastor, you know, <laughs> or, or I'm, you know, I'm struggling with smoking or alcohol or whatever. How could I ever invite someone in? Because 
basically I've got to have this Christian life or what people perceive as a Christian rather than just, I love Jesus and I'm, and I'm pursuing him. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of ways my mind goes with that. One, one is it's important that we do some work to ask ourselves. I mentioned the little booklet, My Heart Christ's Home, mm-hmm. which is, um, which basically depicts in giving an invitation to Jesus to come into the house first mm-hmm. and to admit to ourselves that there are certain rooms he's not ever invited into or seldom invited into. Uh, that he that I need to ask myself, okay, is is Jesus invited into the incompleteness? Is mm-hmm. is, is, it, is there an active thing going on? So it's not here's my checklist. Are they all? Is everything clean? Is he just mm-hmm. present? Mm-hmm. And if he's if he's invited and he's present, I've th- this one of the things I've never understood about God, and I still would say I don't get you. Is he's so slow? And what he does, compared on my metric, right? Yeah. I like, like, why, why don't you move faster? And so, why don't you get me cleaned up faster? Would be part of that. Like, can't? Why am I still struggling with this? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not whether even. It's not even whether it's completed or not. It's just, is it in process? Is, and people who get frustrated, and I get frustrated, saying, I can't believe I still deal with this part of my life that's incomplete. But it's not the. There's a day going to come when I'm complete. Mm-hmm. But if I read my Bible right, that day's not going to happen while I'm walking right. this earth. Okay, so, mm-hmm. so it's not the measure is not, oh, do I have it complete? It's, am I, am I, is there movement? Is he here? Is he invited here? Mm-hmm. So to ask him just to be here and to be present and then to get more comfortable with saying, this is not whether on that day I quit smoking or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and if somebody walks into my house, are they going to smell the remnant? Or am I or I'm still am still struggling with this? It's like, no, show them that he's invited. Show people that he he's active. And and if we get, th- this is where our ego and our self gets in the way because we don't want to risk what people mm-hmm. will think or the mm-hmm. conclusions they'll draw mm-hmm. if they see an incomplete yeah. setting. Yeah. You know what? Trust God with that to say, no, the mess and the incompleteness is may just be what triggers somebody to go, oh. Yeah. You mean I could have Jesus in doing stuff in my life too and, and I don't have to worry about having gotten to some place first or even after so many years. So, so Sunday after first service, I was talking to an older saint in her church and I appreciated the conversation. I was talking with her and she said, I just love that sermon because... I'm a mess. And this was something <laughs> wow. I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking like, I'm thinking is like, got it all together, right? When I look at them, I'm like, you're less messy than me. You know, like, right. like you're, you got it all together. And do you, do you think like, like in her heart, she was hearing, I just need to have more an openness to inviting others in. Do you yeah. think that openness to Jesus? And it, like you said, not compartmentalizing necessarily, like letting him into that is has a direct like connection well, people think you people have to realize you're real and and, I'll, and look, first of all let me say to if that lady's watching if you yeah. if you're watching here can i say thank you yeah it's good i love that about you thank you for leading by example of somebody who's been around a long time and could easily say c- c- present an image and you chose not to do that that says that says volumes mm-hmm. about your life and your character and about your environment here so thank you for that 
you know, here's what probably happened in you when, when you heard her say that. You were a little surprised and something within you felt so endeared to her in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. did. You were drawn more to her and to her life and to her example than if, you would have, if she wouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. And I just think that is pivotal for us to recognize that, that the vulnerability that exposes, because let's face it, it's true regardless whether we admit it or not. Okay, mm-hmm. I, we used to say this to my church, our church, all the time, and we just said it abruptly for the shock value of it. But we'd say, "Okay, look, here, if you're here, here's something we want you to know. We know your secret, <laughs> and your, and this is your secret. You are a mess. We, I would yeah. say that actual phrase. You're a mess. I'm a mess. We are a mess. Can we just all agree to that? Okay, it's just a matter of which messes we've got." Mm-hmm. And what is what? And here's a God who absolutely pours His love right where you are in your mess. Will enter into your home. He's not. He's not turning up his nose at you. He's not saying we. You know, there's something we. You know, you, you've got to clean up your act before here. You get here, and we're going to live with Him in our midst, knowing we're a mess, and then we're going to walk with Him. Mm-hmm. We're just going to walk. He's not going to make us run. He's going to whip us into place. Yeah. He's just going to walk through it. Mm-hmm. When, if we can convey that, at, not just as leaders, but just as people, to say, yeah, you're invited. Right. Yeah, I don't, we have this together. Oh, you should, you know, look at my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, my, our, our kids are completely messed up. They're like right. crazy. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and people go, you too? That's right. And, and Jesus is involved with that and he's okay to walk with you there? Yeah, come on in. It, it, it's it's pivot. a freeing experience. Absolutely. It really is free. So yeah. that is that is a, a great um, <clears throat> encouragement to all of us who I think are nervous to not just be hospitable to friends and family, but especially to strangers who we don't know. And I think the key to uh, being hospitable is, is being vulnerable and open like you talked about. And I'm not saying that you have to... Uh, say, you know, forget the house, you know, I don't care if they walk in and see clothes hanging out. I mean, you don't have to be a slob about it, but it's, it's being real instead of being pretentious. And I think that's a really big encouragement. And what so, you're saying is don't let that yeah. be a barrier. Shouldn't be I mean, a barrier. It shouldn't be a barrier. Yeah. You know. Yeah. A consideration though. But hey, Tom, thank you so much for your oh, time today. I, we guys. have loved yeah. having this conversation with you, John, as always, always good to enjoy yeah. these with you too. But yeah. um, we hope that you have enjoyed this conversation. And if it has been valuable to you, again, we're going to ask that you subscribe to the channel and while you're there hit the like button and hit the notification bell so you can be updated whenever new content arrives on your uh, channel thanks again for being with us we can't wait to have more conversation with you on church unscripted next week